the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rushed out of the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Monday the 7th, and you're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchival Building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. Don't forget, you can always text us, 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. I'll ask you guys how your weekends was, but we uh, spent the end of the weekend together at the ballpark over at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. So uh, was that your first time there? I know it wasn't uh, yours, Luke, but was that yours? Part? It's it was not, but it's been close to a decade since I've pretty been much the same for both of you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love Camden Yards, man. I've never necessarily been a nose fan, but nothing beats sitting there. Especially, I mean, seats we had were nice. stupid good seats there uh, on the third base side. So you get to take in the skyline. Even though I am still a little hurt that that Hilton hotel is there and you don't see you know, the clock tower in the background and stuff that you used to be able to see but that's just me sounding old at this point but you get the warehouse and things nice spot nice spot to watch a ball game and especially to watch these red hot baltimore orioles we'll get to uh talking about the orioles game a little bit later on today but watching a couple of those pitchers out there live man they were shoving it my goodness 103 102 not anything for those guys to be pumping those numbers but uh yeah it was a fun game it was a good game, and uh, I'm excited during Panhandle Live to get Marsha's uh, recap on it, especially with her 19, like, 40s uh, magnifying glass spectacles. She was, yeah, she was those on her way to the opera. Yeah. I hope somebody took a picture of her and put it in black and white, put it up somewhere, because it would have uh, it would have matched. But right around the corner, fellas, baseball is in full swing. At least MLB baseball is in full swing. But right around the corner, just a few days around the corner, uh, high school football season. We'll be all the way back in action. And our uh, very own, well, Metro News' very own, Joe Bricado, Luke, was out and about uh, taking in some of the panhandle action. And, uh, well, what do you think you saw out and about? Well, it was interesting. And I think we're 18 days away from high school football getting started the first game. And the first game of the week, by the way, which if you hadn't heard last week, will be Spring Mills and Jefferson for us. Uh, but Bricado, uh, doing his great work for Metro News and all his traveling across the state, was in the Eastern Panhandle, was able to catch up with three of the six teams. And we'll play audio from two because we've got our own tape from uh, Craig Hunter that we'd like to get to later in the week. But uh, talking, of course, to Brian Thomas about taking the next step for Musselman. We're 3-7 and seven two years ago. Last year, we're able to return to the playoffs and want to maintain that success. And then, of course... The story that has a lot of intrigue across the state. Then he caught up with Dave Walker from Martinsburg about his return and the healthy stable of athletes that the Bulldogs have. A lot of excitement, a lot of energy. Um, you know, that, that, that's kind of the biggest thing I've really seen out of this camp is just uh, the excitement level. Uh, we have a lot of, lot of returners. Uh, we get a lot of guys back. You know, we lose some key pieces from last year, um, some, some really produ- productive players. But at the same time, you know, we probably return, I'd probably say, 90% of our roster from last year. We get a lot of guys back. Um, our freshman team last year was undefeated. So, you know, we got uh, young kids moving up. That's a really good group. But, you know, I, I'd say as far as ex- ex- 
exceeding expectations is just the the energy that we've practiced with, with this week. You know, when you get into camp and you get into, you know, these times, there's some long and grueling days, but the kids have really had a lot of energy and excitement pretty much every single day. Eli is 100% um, our starting quarterback. You know, Eli transferred um, from Maryland. He was first team all-conference last year um, in his conference that he played in. So, you know, he brings a lot of experience. You know, you get anytime you get a senior, you get an older kid like that. Uh, he's mature. He's kind of been there. He's kind of, uh, you know, been through the ranks. Uh, he, he just fit in. Uh, his family moved here in February. Uh, it was actually Super Bowl weekend. Uh, his family moved here. So, um, you know, he's been – he just fits right in with our kids. He just works hard. Um, you know, he's a really good kid. He's got like a 4.5 GPA, so he's super smart. Um, and just his arm is so strong. You know, I don't, I don't know if I've coached a quarterback that has had such a strong arm as he does. In terms of schemes offensively and defensively, do you tweak towards what you have year to year, or do you want to run what you run yeah, we've always – I've got kind of always been the type of coach that uh, you, you kind of tweak what you got. And, you know, especially at the high school level where you can't get out and recruit, and, you know, you, you want to you wanna run a spread and you want to run um, – uh, get a fast quarterback. Well, you know, you might have that, you might not have that. And we've kind of done that over the years. You know, the the, uh, the year we went to the state semifinals, uh, we had Trey Beer as our quarterback, and Trey was kind of a dual threat all-state kid uh, that could do a little bit of everything. So we were kind of spread option. And, and then we kind of transitioned when we had Blake Hart to where we run two tight ends and, and you know old school play in a phone phone booth uh, type of game where we just want to punch people in the mouth. So you know this group we are really deep at receiver. Uh, we got a quarterback with a really strong arm. So you know you gotta you, you can't beat your head against the wall and say hey we're gonna line up in two tights power uh, if you know your personnel doesn't really bring that. So you you got to put your kids in the best position to win. How does Wollaston fit into the plans, and what does he give you as a, as a receiving threat, but also a blocker? Yeah, he, you know, Troy's a big part of what we do. Um, you know, Tro- Troy's a really good receiver, uh, and he, he's, like you said, he's a really good blocker, too, that he gives you a, a different skill set that you can play at tight end. Uh, you know, at the, at the same time, uh, you know, he's such a huge part defensively what we do. You know, I, I think he's one of the best defensive players in the entire state. You know, he's just a game changer. So, you know, if, if he does get his breaks, his breaks will be on offense because we are so deep at receiver but you know at the, at the same point you're going to see him play both ways and make, make big plays for it. Dennis Pike's kind of our uh, kind of our uh, anchor of the offensive line he's the he's the lone senior uh, the other four are juniors but you know Dennis Pike's been a three-year starter uh, Xavier Pollard comes back and he's you know he's the strongest kid we have he's just he's just an ox um, really athletic big strong kid uh, Draven McKee's probably the biggest one out of the bunch and he kind of anchors at tackle uh, then we also get Henry Settle he's a returning guard uh, for us and Trent Shades our returning center so you know anytime you can come in and, and uh, you know you don't have to teach the basics of hey they play this defense they play that defense but you get into the the next level things of hey you got to watch this stunt uh, we got to be here we got to do this uh, you know we're really ahead of the game as far as that speaks with the offensive line. 20, 2021 was a bit of a tough year but you guys bounced back yeah. last year confidence level up for this program now that you're coming off of a quarterfinal appearance? Yeah, you know, I, I think... You know, I think a lot of coaches, you can say you want to win every game, but sometimes that's, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough to go 10-0, you know, and everybody wants to go 10-0, but, you know, it, it's it's tough to really have that expectation that you're going to win every game, but we do. You know, we go into every game knowing that, hey, we can compete with anybody um, and, and we can play with anybody. And, and like you said, two years ago, uh, we struggled for some different reasons. You know, we had some we had some really key injuries, which, you know, it's not an excuse, but it just kind of was a down year. But last 
year, you know, we really wanted to get back to, to what we've been as a program where, you know, we've made the playoffs and we've competed in the playoffs and we were able to do so last year. So we want to continue to, to get back to the playoffs and also to win in the playoffs. Dave Walker is back as the head coach of the Martinsburg Bulldogs. Joe Bercato was able to keep up with him as well, talking about the strengths and weaknesses of his roster while serenaded for the beginning of this interview by a power washer in the background. It's exciting and, uh, you know, just, just you know, bring, brings back, uh, it's like I never left in, in, in a sense. And uh, guys are working really hard, been real receptive, and everyone's, you know, really embraced me coming back. So it's been, it's been a great experience so far. It's, this is home uh, for, for 22 years before I left, so I, I was always, you know, I'd watch the games online, and I, I kept track and, and talked to a lot of the coaches, and I was able to get up and watch a couple of games over here. So I really still, you know, stayed in touch, and, and I was not involved, obviously, but uh, I, I've always had an eye on it. I, it's, it's, I spent a lot of time here, a lot of great years here. Uh, I think working with older kids, there's there's some advantages to that, obviously. Um, but work with younger kids, I think you have you have the opportunity to make more of an impact on their lives and uh, help help try to guide them in the right direction. So uh, I, I'm just excited and, and to be back and try to make a difference. I, I think they're working really hard. We still uh, you know still need to be in better shape, I think, and uh, I think we've got a handful of guys that still need to learn how to practice. But uh, I, I think they've been working really hard overall, and I, I'm pleased with what I'm seeing. So. I'm just, you know, hopefully we can continue to get better and keep working and doing the things we're supposed to do. We look solid up front. I've been pleased with what I've seen with those guys. Uh, they, they work they work really hard in the offseason, and, and they've been working hard so far in practice. So, you know, as, as the old cliche goes, I think, you know, we'll go as far as they go. I mean, I, I think uh, Clement is, is looks really well right now, and uh, and Coy Fagans looks really good as well. So I think we got two guys that are uh, very capable. So, uh, but right now it's, you know, they're still competing, but, um, you know, obviously uh, Murph with the experience is a big factor right now, but uh, we're not opposed to We're going to do whatever we need to do to, to help our team be successful. Receivers, how many are you comfortable with? How many would you like to ultimately have at this point? I mean, I really think we got six or seven guys I think that can play, you know, with, with – Two or three guys, or maybe a, a little bit above everyone else. But uh, I think right now those guys are working hard. Um, they're catching the ball well and and doing doing the things that they do. And you know they they do a lot of running you know every day in practice. So uh, I, I don't worry too much about their conditioning. But I think we've got some guys that uh, once they get the ball in their hands, they can do some really good things. With Coach Sherman returning to his uh, original role, uh, you know how much. Does the offense and everything that you guys do, I mean, is it a mixing of concepts between what he is liked and what you'd like to bring in? I've pretty much given, you know, giving the rain, you know, and it's going to, you know, go back to the, the way things that, that we did it before. But I've, I've picked up a few things over the last three years that I think we'll implement. But uh, overall, uh, we're going to do, and if it's not broke, you're not going to try to fix it. And, uh, you know, moving the ball and scoring points has never been an issue for us here. So, uh, Coach Sherman's done a great job, you know, while I was gone, and, and, and he was here with me for many years as an assistant. So, uh, you know, I think two heads are better than one, so I, I'm excited about being able to collaborate with him again and, and having some fun. Lastly, you know what the annual expectations are in this program, but the schedule that you've got to go through and, and, and Eastern can't have a conference or something that has a lot of teams on the rise. How challenging is the road to get to the playoffs and to get a high seed in the playoffs? It's it's very challenging. We're probably playing the toughest schedule that, that they've ever played. And, uh, you know, we could, we could you know, 
drop a few games and have a great team and, and not and, and be on the road or sitting home at, at the end of the season. So, uh, you know, obviously our goal is to finish strong. So right now we just got to take it one day at a time and, and see what happens. Again, that's Metro News' Joe Bricado with uh, Martinsburg coach Dave Walker and Musselman head coach Brian Thomas. And we pretty much know what to expect year in year out with uh, Martinsburg, so we don't necessarily have to go too deep into the Bulldogs. But uh, in terms of the Appleman, I'm pretty interested in this quarterback situation because that kid coming from Maryland, coming from Williamsport, I mean, he took the uh, Wildcats to their first playoff run in a ton of years. I'd maybe say a decade, maybe even more. Uh, over in Williamsport, took him into the second, maybe even the third round. So he's a pretty good quarterback coming into an offense. It's already pretty much ready-made for him. So I think they, along with, you know, uh, not Walkersville. I did this last year uh, or last season the whole time. Uh, Hedgesville. Hedgesville. Just like Hedgesville, Spring Mills, too, in that kind of uh, wild card area. But uh, what do you think about Mar- Musselman, rather? Their uh, offense now could be shaping up around this new quarterback. Yeah, absolutely, especially with that offensive line. You know, he highlighted Dennis Pike there. It's going to be Pike as a senior and four juniors on that offensive line, and they have significant depth behind them as well because, as Coach Thomas said, their freshman team went undefeated, and those guys are all getting into – the thing about this team for me, frankly, is it simply comes down to they've got fantastic depth, but where is that top-end talent going to come from? Um, Eli Fleming, like you said, uh, Coach Thomas has called him the best, one of the strongest throwers, if not the strongest throw he's ever had, one of the best pure passers. So that's high level talent. But, you know, who's going to be the number one receiver between Shelton and Miller or anybody else? Or does it not matter? And they're going to rotate guys in and everybody's going to eat in this offense. You know, Anthony Cornell and Troy Wollaston are going to be anchoring this defense, but you lose both of your starting defensive tackles. Where is the rest of the pressure going to come from if Wollaston's getting double teamed? And you lose two very key members of your secondary with Ray Adamas, who has that track speed and just unbelievable quickness. And as you know, you pointed out several times last year, Jordan, Baden Hartman hit harder than any other safety in the league and then would go play quarterback. That's a a tough loss for this team because Fleming's not a two-way player. So those are questions that need to be answered. And Coach Thomas, again, is, is stressing the fact that I've got depth. I've got a lot of guys that I like at every position. Where's that top-end talent going to be? I'm not saying it's not going to be there because I trust the guy that's been to the playoffs just as much as just about any other coach in the state. It's just before they take the field, it's hard to tell. I don't know who's going to lead this team in carries. I don't know who's going to lead this team in targets. I don't know, besides Wollaston, who's going to lead this team in sacks. Besides Cornell, who's going to lead this team in tackles. Those are all things that make the uh, make unknowns for the Appleman, and they've got a tough schedule. Again, they start with Frankfurt and Hanley, both games. I'm sorry, I'm talking about scrimmages. They start with Hanley and then Loudon Valley. I would say that I favor them in both of those games with Loudon at home, but then you've got a tough game at Morgantown, who you know want to play revenge for what happened last year, and then the uncertainty of how good Spring Mills is going to be. You know, They could come in and hit you in the mouth, and then you've got Martinsburg. So... Musselman could start the year three and two, four and one, or they could start one and four. You know, I, I know you can say that about everything. Then you've got Campbell Midland, then you've got Hedgesville, then you've got Jefferson. So you know, it, it becomes a tough road for this team. But we said that last year they had one of the toughest schedules in the state, and it ended up working out for them. So I hope it does again. I'm excited to see Fleming play. I'm excited to see who the cast of characters are going to be this year. I think the biggest question I have for Musselman right now is how well can Eli Fleming translate to playing. EPAC talent. I think that's the biggest question mark I have. I was looking at 
the Williamsport schedule from last year. They went eight and four, but a key is they lost to North Hagerstown last year, thirteen and twelve. We remember Spring Mills, who didn't even make the playoffs last year, was able to beat North Hagerstown. Are they able to do that? Does Musselman have enough talent around Eli Fleming, and is he the real deal? Is he going to make that replace? Is it going to be a transition instead of a question mark of, well, can this team transition out of the Baden-Hartman era and Ray Adamas era? Can they find a guy to get those targets for Ray? Because Ray was getting the ball, it felt like, every other play for Musselman. Are they going to find that guy? The offensive line looks pretty good. I think they're going to be one of the better ones in the conference. What are they going to bring on defense? I, I'm very – there's a lot of question marks. I think out of everybody, I think maybe the most to show from last season to this season, it's Musselman. They got to show, are they here to stay? And I trust Coach Thomas. He's one of the better coaches throughout the state of West Virginia. He's done this a long, long time, and he's had very successful teams. But there's a lot of question marks for Musselman that need to be answered in the first couple of weeks. And that schedule is not favorable to have a hiccup in it, too. You mentioned at Morgantown. You mentioned playing Spring Mills. You get him at home this year, which is a little bit helpful. But th- this could be a Spring Mills team coming into this game undefeated, realistically. You're at Cabell Midland, who's going to be one of the contenders for a state championship this year. You go on the road to Hedgesville, on the road to Jefferson. That's a brutal stretch in October <laughs> that you got to get through. Are they going to have that wherewithal? Because we saw two years ago the schedule didn't bounce the right way for them, and they went 3-7 and seven and missed the playoffs. Last year, things probably bounced up more their way. They went 8-4, and four and they went a home playoff game. Are the bounces going to go Musselman's way this year? Or are things going to get a little rocky and they miss the playoffs? It's very realistic. This could be a four-win team. This could be an eight-win team. We really don't know. That's And with them, they have, probably have the biggest question marks through everybody without – there's the the highest ceiling and the highest floor. I think the <clears throat> widest stretch is with Mossman what they could be this season. Yeah, time will tell. There's so many storylines in this EPAC season this year. It's gonna be I mean, it's gonna be a fun one regardless just with the play on the field, but all the extra, you know, question marks and things here and there, and of course the transfers we've been talking about all summer long. Uh, it's gonna be an exciting one, but I know we got some Musselman fans out there listening. So Texas, what do you think about the Alphaman football team this year? How do you think they're gonna fare? Three zero four two six three four three two one is the text line, or you can always tweet us at EP Sports Network. We'll be back. Oh, and by the way, I just saw on uh, ESPN that Lamar Jackson just threw five interceptions in practice yesterday when he's supposed to be a passing quarterback this year. It's always great to see. Uh, We'll be back after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Winter alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can get in touch with us. Text us 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. Uh, we talked about the Appleman there a good bit in the first segment, but of course uh, we had Joe Bercato talking to Musselman and Martinsburg. So uh, like we have said time and time again, you pretty much know what to expect from the Bulldogs, right? They've figured out a script. They figured out a, a tradition there. Uh, in Martinsburg High School to where they don't have to sugarcoat anything. They don't have to try and disguise anything. Here it is. We're probably going to beat you with it, right? So with that being said, uh, how do you think the Bulldogs are going to fare this year? A little bit of a down year the last in their uh, terms, a little bit of down years the last couple of years. Uh, but, of course, get Dave Walker back. You bring the, uh, the, the king of the castle back into the castle, right? So how do you think the Bulldogs are going to be uh, looking this year? It's hard when you look at their schedule, which he called potentially the hardest that Martinsburg's ever played and try to figure out what their record is going to be. You know, the irony of this situation is they could lose, and I'm not saying they will because they're Martinsburg, 
what happens to this team if just hypothetically they lose to all five non-conference opponents, all out of state losses, they beat the five teams in the EPAC. Are they good enough to make the playoffs on the metric? I mean, how crazy would that be? And again, I don't think they're going to do that. What's but their conference or uh, like in-state schedule look like? It's just the five EPAC. That's schools. it. So, yeah, yeah. So they play Clarkson North, the Canadian team that they're playing down in Ironton, which we'll have here on WBPM and WCST. Then Stonebridge from Virginia, Boys Latin from Baltimore. I don't think Boys Latin's that good. No. So, I mean, that should be a win. Woodson out of D.C., I don't think they're that good. Again, I'm not saying that this is going to happen. And then Highland Springs. If they were really wanting some out-of-state points with Baltimore teams, they'd have gone with, like, Digital yeah. Harbor or so Dundalk. That, that's or not necessarily – uh, like, 5-5 five and five isn't a realistic right. scenario. But 7-3 and three could potentially be, or 8-2. and two. And then you put yourself in a position where you go on the road, like they did last year to Huntington, and they lost. You know, Lacow played really well. You got Harris, had a fantastic performance. If that happens again this year, they go up against Capital Midland or they go up against Hurricane where they have to travel down mm-hmm. to the southern part of the state. And those were kind of the concerns that, that Walker raised. But at the same time, you totally understand, and we've talked about this before, why Britt Sherman set the schedule up this way. I mean, you, you know, kids will succeed. We've always said that even with the one-time transfer rule that if you're good enough, people will find you. But he wants his kids to get exposure against top-end talent. You know, if you're Cassius Gideon or if you're Coy Fagan, and you have the game of your life against Clarkson North, it's a little bit different than you having the game of your life against, let's just say Kaiser, no disrespect to the people from right. Kaiser. And all of a sudden, you're getting Power 5 offers. So that's kind of why the schedule is set up the way that they it is. So the schedule concerns me. In terms of the personnel, this might be one of the best offensive lines in the history of high school football. I mean, Rashad Reed. <laughs> they in certainly West look Virginia. like the strongest. In yeah. West Virginia. Well, they certainly look like yeah. one yeah. of the strongest. Wes Hancock, I mean, is a Division One talent. Uh, as we know, Rashad Reed is a Division One talent at Elon, and I think he's going to get offers that are better than Elon before the season's over. You've got not one but two Division One caliber quarterbacks that are dual threat guys in Murphy, Clement, and Coy Fagan. And what's scary is when they're not playing quarterback, whichever one of them isn't, they just move it into the slot or they move into the backfield and play running back so they can get multiple. Gideon's a weapon. Jameer Hunter's a weapon. This team is insane defensively. So it's the same old Martinsburg from a personnel standpoint. It's the same old Martinsburg that we don't expect to lose a game mm-hmm. in conference play, although we've talked about how you know if they're wounded enough, the way they have their conference schedule lined up, there could be an upset this year. Um, but, you know, with Dave Walker back, it just makes them stronger. You know, it's not like Britt Sherman's not there anymore. He still very much is the lifeblood of this offense right. and the lifeblood of this team. You just add to an already impressive coaching staff and an already impressive crop of talented players uh, and, and look to continue that same dominance. Now, you know, I don't know what week one's going to look like. If they get demolished, What is that? what happens then for the rest of the season? But... You know, I'm excited for us to have the coverage of that game and that to set the table for the rest of what is going to be a fun season for Martinsburg, who for once in a rare occurrence over the last 10 years is not coming off a state championship. Now, should we be concerned with the whispers that have been floating around this summer about people, kids wanting to leave Martinsburg and go try these different schools, you know, with the one-time transfer rule and things like that? Uh, Park, should we be concerned that, that, that there might be some underlying, I don't know, maybe tension over there at Martinsburg? I mean, there's there's reasons to me. Or is maybe, that just summer gossip? It, it could, I, I think it's more summer gossip than anything else. It's I understand it if you want to like explore maybe a different route. Well, maybe the third string guy at Martinsburg could go be a starter at Spring Mills today. It, that's a realistic thing, just because they're so loaded with talent right now. But it's it kind of just depends on what you want, whether you want to be a part of a 
maybe the hist- probably the most historic program since the turn of the century in high school football in the state of West Virginia and Martinsburg? Or do you want to be involved more? Do you want to try and be a part of something bigger or maybe get more of an offer by being the star at another school? Or do you want to wait until your junior year, potentially play for Martinsburg and then go from there? I understand from a perspective, maybe going somewhere else if you want to get more of that playing time. But again, it it's Martinsburg. It, it's a it's a national brand. It's becoming more and more a national brand by the day and what it's come to. And I was doing some research, guys, on the uh, Stone Bridge. Two years ago, they were state champions of Virginia in their division as well. So this is mm. a pretty good team. So not only they're coming up against the game in Ironton week one, now they got to take on a team that was just state champs two years ago and I believe was either in the state finals or semifinals last year. And who did they lose to? Highland Spring, a team that's on their schedule in October. So two brutal teams out of Virginia they got to go play. And then they got to play the game in Ironton as well. So that, again, I, I think I'm more concerned about this out-of-conference schedule than anything else. Is Martinsburg biting off more than they can chew right now? That's my only concern. I understand. I get the perspective. You want to make Martinsburg more of a regional mid-Atlantic brand. But are you biting off more you can chew taking on some of the biggest schools in through that area that maybe have a not no offense to the area, maybe a better talent pool. I mean, you look around like uh, the school are playing week two. They're out of Ashburn, Virginia. There's a lot, a lot of good stuff over in Ashburn, Virginia. Is is this biting off more they could chew going to Ironton, going, doing this? I understand they want to get these bigger games. And let's be honest, there's a lot of teams in the state of West Virginia that don't want to play Martinsburg. Because yeah, we've got to play all these out-of-state games. We've seen what they've done to some of the better teams in the state of West Virginia in the EPAC. They beat Jefferson last year 63-13. to That's ridiculous. Yeah. But, but are they biting off more than they can chew, taking on these powerhouses that are probably close to, if not probably, in Max Preps's top 30 to 50 teams probably in the nation at this point? Are are they biting off more than they can chew doing that? I don't know. I like the idea of it, but is it is it going to cost them later down the ride that later down the road I'd rather in the state championships? Because we saw last year. Did they run out of gas against Huntington? I think that's a realistic question we need to ask. I do want to add one more thing really quickly. Um, I was looking on Max Preps. Martinsburg's schedule might not be one hundred percent finalized because mm, I know okay. they had to play that Don that there was that controversy with the Don school putting Martinsburg on their schedule and Martinsburg's not playing them. I think they're up to 10 games again. Forgive me. Um, I, I misspoke earlier, but I just want to make sure we're right. Cause you look at it right now and they have all uh, 10 games on the schedule, but there might be just a little bit of flux there. So once we get a final schedule, I'll be talking to Dave Walker a little bit yeah. later on this week and we'll, uh, we'll get to the bottom of it. We'll get in touch with us. 304-263-4321 is the text line. We'll hit this by the hour break. When we come back, we'll have a special guest, uh, our boss, coming in to talk about the Live Golf Tournament that was down at the Greenbrier over the weekend. He was inside the ropes, fellas. Had press passes and everything. Shout out to him for the foresight in that. But it was a good one. And Bryson DeChambeau had a round to remember yesterday, a final round 58. And I think he hit, like, the furthest iron shot. Like I don't know. He did something. I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure Jared would know about it. But we'll talk golf, live golf after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And joining us in studio, market manager Jared Parsons. Good morning, boss. 
Oh, wait. Good morning. I do this to Marsha, too. I never turn her mic Let on. Let me do that again. Good yeah. morning, fellas. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> so uh, you had the foresight to get some press passes for the Live Golf event that was down at the Greenbrier. So you're inside the ropes. And it looked like, uh, well, it looked like yesterday you missed a pretty fun final yeah. round with the Shambo going pretty yeah. low. But what was the experience like? Now, I went to a Live Golf event, and I've been to a couple PGA events prior to that. And, yes, it's very different. But I thought the different, it was a good difference what was your take oh on the... absolutely i thought it was a great different um i'm a big golf fan as you know i've been to a lot of uh, pga tour events and namely a lot of the greenbrier classic events so i was able to compare and we had a great time i took my five-year-old um and you know i think the main difference would just be you know, the excitement levels mm-hmm. i think the the experience for the fans is on the top of the priority list for live golf and the um the watching of golf right. is is top of the priority list for the PJ Tour, which is not wrong. It's not bad. It's just it's a different experience. Um, I thought the accessibility was something that was oh yeah significantly different. I mean, the, the golfers just riding around because it's shotgun start. Yep. So they ride past you on the golf cart on the gar- on the cart path, and you know there goes Phil, there goes Sergio right yeah. next to you. It's pretty. You know, cool. Sergio's my guy. So, <laughs> so. And, and you were walking with him, right? So how yeah. was that? Yeah, we walked with him, and and to your point on Saturday, uh, Jared and I. He teed off on number 10, so we were going to wait on number 11 and watch, and watch a few holes. So he was just walking by himself across number 11 fairway, like walking to the tee box. We just walked up to him and said hello to him. Good That's luck. Awesome. Um, he was nice. But, yeah, we walked around with him. And, you know, taking a five-year-old to a PGA Tour event is probably not the best idea. It's not a walk. Um, but, sun. yeah, at this live event, they had, like, yeah, they call it the fan activation zone. And it was, like, right in the center of five or six holes. And so Jared – was going and doing science science experiments while oh, I was cool. watching the tournament right there beside of him on a big screen. And then we'd right. go watch a few holes together, and then we'd come back. Um, we had a really good time, great golf. Um, and obviously, yeah, being at the game with you guys at mm-hmm. Camden Yards yesterday, missed Bryson's 58. But um, it was a really, really pleasant experience, and hopefully they come back. Well, we have better weather in Baltimore anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, talk about that 58 then at the Greenbrier. I mean, I mean, is, is that a course that plays that well, or was it just that spectacular of a performance? Uh, both. I mean, uh, typical par 72 on the PGA Tour, and at the Greenbrier, it's 70. So he shot 12 under, which typically would uh, be a, a score of 60. Um, but he shot a 58. There's still an incredible score. He had he shot 12 under over an 18-hole um, mm-hmm. time frame there. And just the day before, he had shot 61. Mm-hmm. And at the end of his round, he said, you know, five or six holes left. I, I thought I had a 59 in me. Then he comes back the next day and shoots 58. There was a 58 out there. Uh, there was a 59 shot at the Greenbrier Classic, I believe, um, in the mid, you know, 2009, 2010, something like that. Is this the kind of event that can fully replace the Greenbrier, what it was in that PGA event in terms of revenue and attention? I think the stability and... is the main thing for that because people don't yeah. know what's happening with Live one day after, or one year after the next, it seems. Yeah, I'm not sure. We, we don't even really know if it's going to come back next year. We're hopeful that it was, that it will. Um, I think the crowd was great. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there was as many people there as there was, you know, the heyday of the Greenbrier Classic days, but this was a test run, and I think everyone there, if you talk to them, I, I believe they would say they had a pleasant experience. It was really, really fun for the fans. Cool. Um, so, yeah. Well, uh, I saw it was a pretty good battle between Bryson and Mito, but I'm looking here uh, down the list a little bit. Tied for 12th, Sergio finished 
with a minus with a minus twelve, with twelve under. So, yeah. how do you think about Sergio's performance over the weekend? I think I need to not watch him play because uh, you know, <laughs> bad luck. You I wasn't bad there luck. yesterday, and he shot seven under, <laughs> shot a sixty three. Um, no, uh, that was a good finish. I mean, we're so the the live golf is a team event too, you know. Right. And mm. Sergio's part of the Fireballs team, <laughs> so Jared and I, Jared's my son's name as well. We were rooting on the Fireballs all week long, and then. Before we left, he saw the logo for the Crushers. Oh, and this is game so over. he became a Crushers fan. <laughs> and so he was cheering on uh, Bryson yesterday since he's a member of the Crushers. That's yeah. funny. Well, that's the big thing with Liv is that it's definitely a lot more fan-centric. Yeah. You know, you're rooting for a team, right? Yes, you're still rooting for individual golfers, but it's not like when you're watching a PGA event, you're just rooting for one guy or you're rooting for a couple of different guys. You can root for a whole team, which is pretty neat. So would you recommend people go and do a live event when yeah. they come back around? Yeah, I mean, it's quick. Uh, it's shotgun start, like you said earlier. The, so they started at one fifteen. They were finished playing golf at 5.30 every single day. So it's not a get there at 8 a.m. and you're there until 7 <sighs> p.m. every day. They can be a grind. Um, and then yesterday they started at 9. I think they were finished at 1. Huh. So. Wow. Man, well, cool. Well, now, since we got you here, I'll ask you what you thought of the uh, O's game yesterday. We're going to start talking O's after yeah. this break. Yeah, I thought it was a great, great experience, great time. Is that your first time? Fun I'm... with you guys. First time at Camden Yard, yeah. What would you think? Yeah, I thought it was uh, it was incredible. I mean, you guys mm-hmm. talked it up a lot. Everybody says Camden Yard is one it's of the best spot. ballparks to go to. Um, and we got there a little later than we wanted to, so we didn't get to experience everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and with a five-year-old, you can't really do everything. Um, but he had a great time for his first experience at a major league park. Um, oh, that was my his wife. first ball game? Wow. First oh, game ever, yeah. Dang. Yeah. Oh, cool. Should have yeah. got him the button. I saw a kid that was uh, over there. He was like, it's my first major league game. Should have got him the button. He really wanted to wear or to meet the mascot, but um, I said next time. So that's yeah. an excuse to go back. Well, yeah. with how they're playing, you'll have plenty of opportunity, yep. I'm mm-hmm. sure, to go see him and watch him play good ball. And like I said, we'll be talking about the O's after this uh, break. And we'll also get Parker's picks. And you can text us, 304-263-4321. Uh, Jared, thanks for stopping in, man. Thanks, Gus. Absolutely. We'll be back on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Of course, we're huge football fans here on Panhandle Sports Live and uh, pretty big Mountaineer fans, I'd say, as well. And uh, a lot of the big Mountaineer fans around the area are already going to know about this event. But coming up on August 11th, it's the Inside the Huddle event. We'll be there. Tony Caridi will be there. And joining us in studio to talk about it is Stacey Rhodes. Stacey, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. I'm doing good. So uh, are you ready for football season? I think so. I think so. And the only way we have to go is up. That's right. That's, That's right. Yeah, That's, Mount- That's which Mount- way the climb goes. Yeah, Mountaineer <laughs> Athletics, man, they could really use a good football season. That's for sure. But before we dive into that a little bit, uh, tell us about Inside the Huddle, what it's all about. So Inside the Huddle is a night where folks can come out. And we do this event at Rick. Rick Pill, Dave Pill, and Terry Hess's property along the Potomac. It's gorgeous, and it's really a great evening to get the tailgating season kicked off. So you'll want to bring your tailgating chairs and um, and plan to be be wowed by whatever Tony has to tell us, and I'm sure um, – I'm sure there will be some good nuggets of information in that mm-hmm. conversation. But Tony always comes out. He tells us what to expect for the season, and um, and you know he'll he'll talk mostly football, but we also get into some other sports too. And I'm sure that there will be some interesting conversation about some of our other sports teams uh, as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm, so, I'm ready to ask him a Huggins question. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you and probably a lot of other <laughs> folks who are going to be there. And that's un- it's unfortunate. But um, but I know Tony will will come with uh, with lots of good information and and. Tell us, tell us some of the good stuff to expect because mm-hmm. you know when you're when you're root, you always have to root for the underdog, and I kind of feel like our Mountaineers tend to be the underdog in a lot of situations. But um, you know, I think our our offense is where we're going to shine this year. Perfect, and, and we'll see what happens on defense. There's so much new that's happening with our defensive right. line. So, and of course, Tony Caridi will be guest speaking there, like he does uh, every year with Inside the Huddle. And we'll also mm-hmm. be broadcasting live from five to six, uh, live on location. We'll have Tony on. We'll probably have Stacy on. We'll have everybody on uh, to talk Mountaineer athletics. But uh, this is a cool event. I mean, like we've been talking about, it's a time to get Mountaineer fans, Mountaineers together, and get excited for football season. That fingers crossed won't break our hearts again. So Friday night, we start at 6. Come on down to Rick and Dave Pills. Uh, please call our corporate office just to secure your ticket so we can make sure we have you counted in the food count. And and we look forward to a great evening. The corporate number is 304-263-1832. And if you'll just leave your name and how many tickets you want, we'll make sure we get you taken care of. So, so food is included with the tickets that you buy? Food, food. Um, food and drink, and there will be. Um, I want to thank Reed's Distributing for providing the the beverages for the evening, um, and we're just we're up for a really great time. And, and certainly, obviously, don't want to take away from the the great personality that is Tony Caridi, but there's also going to be some stuff auctioned off like there was last year. Oh, right? it was that cool is stuff true. Last year. Can you give a so, give a hint as to what's going to be on the auction block, or do people have to come and see? Well, you know, some of it is is ours, and then we also work with a group called Sports Fans out of Southern West Virginia, and they bring a whole um, ensemble of of just different um, different articles. Some of them are clothing and balls and signed signed memorabilia. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have um, that we're auctioning off a um, it's a bourbon. Um, like a bourbon barrel lid. Oh, cool! That has that has Tony's signature on it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. We need that for the right, yeah, right in the middle of the man cave. Come super, on, super cool. And uh, and then Tony always auctions off a, a time to get on the show with him and um, talk about West Virginia sports. So you get to be a guest co-host. Very cool. So we auction cool. that off as well. Well, speaking of talking West Virginia sports on the radio, which you are right now, mm-hmm. can you give us your prediction for the record for the Mountaineer football? Yeah, we got to hold season? you to one here. Oh yeah. wow. Um, or maybe well, just a prediction do, on how you think I, they'll do generally. I don't think we're going to come in dead last. All right. I like the I optimism. Like well, it's kind of like – so my husband used to run the New York Marathon, and the, the rule of thumb was always start at the very back because you're going to pass mm-hmm. some people, mm-hmm. and you know you're not going to end last. So I'm, I'm hoping that we have kind of a New York Marathon um, <laughs> approach to this. And um, you've you got to root for the underdog mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. I mean that's just kind of that, – that's, that's who we are. We're resilient people, and um, I don't think we're going to end up dead last, but I don't think we're going to end up first either. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. And I think a really cool thing with this event as well, it's all going to a great cause. Talk about that a little bit if you can. Sure. So Boys and Girls Club of the Eastern Panhandle, this is our 13th year of having Inside the Huddle. Um, our chair, Gail Shade, and her husband, Tom, kind of came to us early on with this idea, and they you know, they were friends with Tony and um, and thought, you know what, this would be a really cool hometown event. So so that's kind of how it started. I think our first one might have been at Berkeley Springs High School. Oh, and wow. yeah. So so we've transitioned through through the years of with location, but we truly have found our home down at um, down at the Pill and Hess lot. Right. 
So, um, but this, the funding for this event helps to fund our summer and school year scholarship program. So it really, it helps young people and families who maybe um, can't afford to send their child to camp. Mm-hmm. It provides some scholarship money to help with that. Awesome. Well, again, Inside the Huddle is going to be on August 11th. We'll be talking to you about this a uh, little bit more like on Panhandle Live. But uh, thanks for stopping in and chatting with us a little bit about yeah. it. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's great to talk with you. Absolutely. And again, we'll be talking with Stacy during Panhandle Live as well. Uh, a little bit more uh, in-depth about the Inside the Huddle event. But... Without further ado, let's get into Parker's picks. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. Yeah. We, uh, yesterday's, well, Friday's picks were rather, we had Detmer's under on strikeouts, the Blue Jays winning and the Orioles winning, all of which came through. Today's picks, we're going to try and bounce it into the beginning of this week. I've got two underdogs for today's Parker's picks, but today's lock is going to be the Red Sox getting the win over the Royals. I got Brian Bayo pitching, and the Royals are just bad. I'm going to go ahead and take the Royals won like 10 of their last 11 or something. The Royals? Yeah. I don't think so. Didn't the, didn't the Nats beat them, I think, pretty sure last? What, I were the they Royals playing? were on a heater for some reason. Maybe it's the so. Rockies. The Anyways. Royals have won seven of their last ten games. Yeah. Really? Yeah, wow. But they are 36 and 7. Yeah, still not good. Yeah, they're still not good. <laughs> and Boston's trying to fight for a wild card right now. I'm picking the Red Sox in Fenway, especially after they didn't come up on the best end after that series with the Blue Jays. It's a good chance for them to bounce back against Kansas City. I'm going to take the Reds to beat the Marlins as well today. They're underdogs to this one, plus 120. The Reds have been kind of up and down since, well, the Ellie De La Cruz call-up. Are are they going to try and challenge the Cubs or the Brewers in the NL Central? They need to get a win over the Marlins, who have kind of struggled after the break as well. I think they're able to get the win at home. The only downside, Yuri Perez is pitching for Miami, which kind of maybe put me on the fence with this pick, but I think Cincinnati at home is going to be able to get the bats going later on in the game and are able to win that one against Miami. And I got the Dodgers getting the win over the Padres. Well, I'm so confused by this one because the line was set at plus 102 for the Dodgers to win this game. They got Tony Gonsolin pitching. And let's be completely honest here. The Padres have been an absolute bust this year. They cannot score with runners in scoring position. They are the most unclutch team in baseball right now. So I'm going to go with the Dodgers, which surprisingly, Freddie Freeman is making a sneaky good case later on this season for a National League MVP. He's been batting fantastic for the tail end of July and the start of August. I think with that and this lineup for the Dodgers, I think they're able to get the win over San Diego in San Diego today. So Boston's wins today's lock of the day. The Reds get the win over the Marlins at home, and the Dodgers go to San Diego and steal a win against the Padres. And, of course, we are home for Baltimore Orioles baseball. They're off today, but yesterday with the entire, uh, well, everybody there, all of us, everybody's stationed uh, over at the game. Batista comes in, gets the save. Perez gets the win and a 2-0 win over the New York Mets. Wasn't the most exciting uh Bat-wise, or offensively game, but it was a well-pitched game, and the Orioles' bullpen came in and shut things down, fellas. It was impressive to watch that uh, in person. So real quick, while we still have a few seconds, what thoughts on the uh, Orioles' game yesterday? Well, Brandon Hyde said it best. Kyle Bradish could not control his fastball and still went four and two-thirds. The credit for him is chase stuff was great. But then uh, Cianel Perez comes in and does a fantastic job. This bullpen needs to pitch like this for this team to make a deep run. Fujinami, seeing him in person, it's like the Shaq meme. I have he to apologize. Fantastic. I've been unfamiliar with your game. And then Bautista, I mean, he's just a mountain of a man. So, I mean, that was how they need to win games the rest of the way. Seeing his walkout was 
really cool too in person. Cool. That was that was really cool to see Bautista do what he does. But yeah, like the wire thing. Yeah, that was really cool. But yeah, going see, experience that was really fun and seeing the Orioles. Which I guess this is a little plug. If you got a little bit left in the season, go check out the O's in Camden Yards. It's worth it if you go in, out there and experience that. Absolutely. And uh, again, we are your home for Baltimore Orioles baseball. They got the night off tonight. But they get things back up and moving with a series against the Astros. The Strohs come into town for a three-game series. Then they go on the road, a little West Coast swing uh, for the Mariners and the Padres the next uh, couple of weeks out or next couple of games out. So, uh, I don't know, fellas. I mean, these Orioles are the real deal. They are, I think, the actual real deal now. And do you think, I mean, looking at how the AL is shaping up, I mean, I think they got a pretty good chance to win the pennant at this point. Yeah. yeah, there was a crazy stat I read right before we came on the air in terms of the quickest that the Orioles have ever gotten to 70 wins. Five of the previous six times they've done it, those teams went to the World Series. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, they're legitimately, I think, not even pennant contenders, but World Series contenders right now, to be honest with you. Did you guys have a good time at the game yesterday? That was, good that was fantastic. Yeah, it was warm. It was good. It was good warm, though. It wasn't nearly as bad as it was at the Ravens training camp two weeks ago when Ooh. I was down there. That was brutal. That dreadful hot. Dying. I, you'd get up from the seats and you'd go back and sit down after a few minutes and like you'd get cold chills because of how hot the seat was. Like It just melted yeah. into the back of the seat. But you can always get in touch with us, 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. Oh, didn't you get a foam finger yesterday, Park? I did get a foam finger. <laughs> so that's your your uh, ballpark. He paid every penny for that. Collector boy. item that you always want to get. Yeah, it's it's a it's a standing tradition. I always get a foam finger, and I thought about a bobblehead, but they were a little out of my budget for the game, so I just went with the foam finger. Out of your budget is a- here's a box. We might be able to find you one or two. There you go. But that does it for us today. Have a good one. We will talk to you later. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.